Hey, that's um, that's not so great. That's pretty bad. The Raptors lose to Nick Nurse, returning home, the 76ers, 114 to 107 in what was, you know, a game that they found a lot of success in early on. They were able to kind of remove Joel Embiid from the equation defensively early on, or at least Joel Embiid did a pretty good job of removing himself, a laissez-faire attitude. And then the Raptors found a lot of struggles as the game kind of went on. The shot making from Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey in particular was unbelievable. Uh, the Raptors had such a tough time competing with what the 76ers were able to put out there. And man, more than anything, I think we saw that the 76ers, their star power at the top end, was just completely able to overwhelm what the Raptors are able to put out there. I'm live from Scotiabank Arena for anybody who wants to see. There it is down there. We're in the gondola. We're hanging out. And uh, this was the place to record after a game. Here we are. Big Grady Dick game. Big Scotty game. We're still a little bit confused about what happened with Pascal Siakam. Uh, well, not maybe not about what happened, but just his somewhat perplexing role. They come out after the game. Darko talks about, like, yes, I thought Pascal made the right decisions. I liked how he looked tonight. That's fine. And he is meant to be shooting the ball a little bit less this year, but... It's a little bit perplexing to see Pascal only eight shots in a game like this. He did start off the game really well. And while the 76ers were able to double with impunity later on as the game kind of progressed, the Raptors offense still hasn't naturally found the points wherein they're finding their wings in advantageous positions. Scotty Barnes, to his credit, doesn't care about that hierarchy, doesn't care about the ball finding him. He took handle of it. He ends up with 24 points, five assists, eight rebounds, two blocks, really came on at the end of the game. I thought he was so impressive, like uber, uber impressive. Um, 11 to 16 from the field, two of five from downtown, one big three down the stretch, an almost logo three earlier on in the game. No free throws. He was super aggressive. He brought the game to the 76ers and tried to keep the Raptors in it down the stretch. Same with, I mean, Dennis Schroeder, he hit four threes on the night. He didn't have a very good game, in my opinion, but he hit three threes in the fourth quarter in what was like a very impressive performance, shooting the ball down the stretch. And that was kind of the Raptors' offense as the game wore on. It was Scotty and Schroeder. And the ball wasn't finding other guys that much. And sure, it found Gary Trent Jr. on occasion, but we're talking about a guy who, man, Gary, this was a really tough game for him. I know, like, Maybe some people will get the points and say 17 points, that's good. But for how much of the ball he had, zero assists, he, he made a lot of really tough decisions with the ball. And actually, like, his most productive plays came as an off-ball player. And the ball kept finding his hands. The ball kept finding Dennis's hands. And the Raptors are still trying to figure out how much of the guards are supposed to have it, how much of the wings are supposed to have it, and how this all looks under this new banner, this new offense. For those who are into the numbers, the Raptors, I believe it was 89 points per hundred possessions in the half court this game markedly better than the past two games which were I think 74.9 72 none of those have equaled the Raptors average which was 94.9 from last season the half court offense was nearly there in this game but here's the thing it was nearly there on a night where they shot 53 percent from downtown 
they're shooting the hell out of the ball, particularly almost 60% on above the break threes. You know, Siakam, as, you know, quiet a game it was, he goes two for five. Scotty goes two for five. Gary, three for five. Dennis, four for six. Grady, heat pump off the bench, right? Four for six. Malachi hits both his threes. But they still aren't creating consistent half-court offense. They shoot the hell out of the ball, and that's great. They did good. But then on the inside of the arc, they have nothing going. They they are an all-or-nothing team in every game so far this year. In the first game when they win, it's all defense. It's all transition. It's nothing in the half-court. In the second game where they lose a super confusing, super disheartening game against the Bulls, it's a game where they play tremendous defense. They run out on offense as often as they can. They struggle once again in the half court. And in this game, they shoot the hell out of the ball, but they can't create inside the arc whatsoever. Like, not not a lick. Someone here, Aisha, asking what I think of Pirtle. I think Pirtle is a very good player. I think that Pirtle is a guy who is completely reliant on other people to create his shots for him, though. And Pirtle, a guy who takes five shots tonight, the, the Raptors early on got to the rim a few times. Live dribble attempts. Not so many laydowns. Like, Schroeder had that possession in transition where he you know put his shoulder into the defender the defense collapses he drops off the pearl pearl gets a dunk that's half of his makes for the night we're talking about a big man who needs other people to help service him give him the shots but i just on a game like tonight where the raptors are shooting threes and the other team is like okay shoot them the fact that they hit 53 percent and they couldn't get remotely close to like an impressive offensive night that's tough. They're having a tough time kind of putting everything together, making sure that they're dangerous from multiple points on the court, and these are your Raptors. They're going to struggle offensively. And tonight, defensively, I thought Schroeder, man, he gave it his all. Tyrese Maxey, he's so good at the point of attack. He's so impressive at the point of attack. He, The two-man game with Joel was unbelievable like I think the best case the best example is that the Raptors are playing they're they're like playing lock and trail defense and Tyrese Maxey is doing a really good job of like okay if you're gonna lock and trail I'm gonna get wide and try and keep these two-on-one situations alive and then if the Raptors are like okay we're gonna drop so you, so getting wide doesn't create the rollers opportunity to get open and we're taking from the weak side Tyrese is like okay I'm gonna get wide and take a jump shot Tyrese Shoots seven of nine from downtown. Not all those are catch and shoot. This is a guy who's like an absolute heat pump. He only turns the ball over once. He has seven assists. A lot of these are really great reads. And on the other side of this twosome is Joel Embiid, who the Raptors initially, I thought, played fantastic defense against. And Embiid was reluctant to go to the rim. Embiid only taking six free throw attempts is hardly anything. But he shoots 67% from the floor. He scores 34 points. He has eight assists because the Raptors do have to show him attention. And my God, he hit every jumper down there. Right there. You can see the spot on the court. He was hitting all over from that spot, man. Like, these guys, the shot making was on such a level. It's hard to even comprehend. That's why the Raptors lost this game. Yes, they, they failed to score on the inside of the arc. That's one of the biggest motivators for this loss. But as far as their defense, I liked a lot of what they did defensively. When Maxi is going to shoot it that well off the bounce, when Embiid is going to shoot it that well off the bounce, you're playing to keep these guys in these contained areas. And they're just perfectly happy to shoot 
an unreal percentage from there. And not necessarily on the easiest shots. Scotty had a hand up. Precious had a hand up. Pascal, Jakob, they have a hand up. Embiid is hitting step backs. He's hitting like poles right in their face. This is tough. This is not something you can just completely, you can't eliminate that from the game plan. If a guy's going to hit contested 17, 18 footers, you just have to take it. Or you have to make him move the ball. And the 76ers, while they're not a great passing team, having the ball find like Kelly Oubre, who they substituted for P.J. Tucker in the dunker spot, was really good. Having got the ball relocate back to Maxi, who was extremely dangerous as a three-point shooter, that's really good. And Maxi also, like, the Raptors try and double. They try and blitz that double drag they run. He just splits it, gets down, hits that left-handed layup over top of Grady Dick, and it's like, man, these guys have to counter for everything. And some of that counter is just like, hey, you know, it's shot making. This is kind of, this is what they do. This is why they get the big bucks. This is what they're meant to do. And the Raptors on the other end, I've talked about their struggles. I want to talk about something that worked. Grady Dick. I talked to Darko before the game and kind of was like, hey, it seems like this is a game where there should be a really great spot for Grady to take advantage of the 76ers relying overly on Tyrese Maxey, relying overly on Joel Embiid, and having quite a few guys who they probably aren't going to be able to take Grady off the dribble, take him into the post, and dominate. This means that Grady can exist as a help defender only defensively and not get picked on too much. And you get a shooting. He said, we'll see. We saw. Grady was unbelievable tonight. He finished with five fouls. Guys did go at him. But I'll tell you this much. The 76ers, their offense was not significantly better for attacking Grady. And Grady, as a principled help side defender, was a guy who made a lot of great decisions in rotation. And then, of course, he shot the, the hell out of the basketball, man. Four of six from downtown, 16 points, one more assist than Gary, because Gary had zero. Two boards. Um, he didn't get credited with a block, but he probably should have. He went up. The ball went out of bounds. It was called off of him. There was a shot attempt. He didn't get credited with the block. Grady was awesome tonight. I just got finished talking to him. Uh, I asked him if he's heard any chatter or if anybody's kind of been like shit-talking him so far in his career, and especially since this was his longest game. He played almost 30 minutes, right? And so he said, no, it hasn't been too much, but Joel was the first guy who was kind of like, the first thing he came off, he, he slammed him on a screen. They both went to Kansas. There's a bit of talk there. And um, so that's kind of fun. That's nice. But great. That's the most positive. Scotty and Grady. Coming away from this game, my goodness. These guys are a huge part of the future, obviously. You have to look at a game like this and say, what do you take away from it? If the Raptors are a team that is in flux, if the Raptors are a team that's trying to do things a little bit differently, are definitely having a lot of struggles offensively, trying to go through a new system, what are the, what's the upside here? What's the benefit? That when the team is better in the future or has different personnel in the future, who are the guys who are thriving under this system? And Scotty and Grady, you have to feel really good, especially, you know, Scotty's been doing it every game. Seven turnovers last night, no good. But having just the one turnover tonight, awesome. 24 points, five assists, eight boards. Should have been more assists too because there's that play late where they doubled him on the block. He goes up, Pascal times his cut perfectly because Embiid helped off of him, 
and Siakam just like lost the ball. There's a couple assists left on the floor for for Scotty tonight too, and and Grady, I don't think he left anything on the floor. He he did it to the maximum in this game. I thought he was super impressive, and um, yeah, just really happy with that game from both of the Raptors young guys. Scotty continues to impress. I don't know if the three point shooting holds up like this. I'm not sure what happens, but Scotty isn't even getting that much of the ball. Through three games, he's not getting that much of the ball, and he's doing this. I think he's averaging, like, over 20 points, almost eight boards, over six assists, like three blocks a game, maybe half a steal a game, and, and he's shooting the ball efficiently. This is this is perfection. If you're on the Scotty bandwagon, you probably – now, some people are on the Scotty bandwagon to the point, like, Scotty will pop off and the Raptors will win all the time. This Raptors team will be a world beater. Well, even being half right at this point is is incredible with the potential to be like 100% right. I I think Scotty can sustain. I don't know if it's going to be like 28 and 7 over the course of the year. I certainly saw a lot of people predict such. I think that would be awesome. I don't know if that's sustainable. We have to see how, you know, in the doldrums of January basketball, if Scotty's still kind of like busting this out. And, um, uh, you know, I I think Scotty can sustain most of this at the very least. I think a lot of this is super easy for Scotty to access. A lot of this stuff is intuitive. He's playing within the flow of the game. Of course, to go from the 15 points to 24 when he made that jump in the fourth quarter. Yeah, that's that dog. You know, that's a guy taking over the game. That's a fantastic job. But as far as we're just talking about a guy who's going to f- just fall over himself into a bunch of points, rebounds, assists, Scotty's that guy. There's going to be enough transition possessions game to game. There's going to be enough offensive rebounds game to game. There's going to be enough half-court possessions that he figures out something with game to game. This is something that he can do. And whether it's going to be this, like, this level, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case over the course of a full season, but I certainly think everybody should be overjoyed with what Scotty's been able to provide. We have some, a couple questions. I'll say, I'll start with the Pascal ones because everybody's asking about Pascal fitting in. Pascal is not being used to the best of his abilities. He's being asked to space off ball, and the and the 76ers are a team that when he wasn't spacing off ball, when he found something successful as a creator, they doubled him with impunity. He had to pass the ball out. So his shots are suppressed by the Raptors' new system, which we've seen in other games, and his shots are suppressed by getting the doubles from the 76ers, mostly coming from the top. He got a couple from the bottom. He made good reads. That's what Darko said afterwards. But what I don't really agree with Darko about is that this is fine. This is just like, this is... This is this is okay. This like this is how it's meant to be. I don't agree with that. I think that they have to work harder to get natural good opportunities for Scotty, for Pascal, and for OG in the half court. We have some members of the 76ers in the audience or the and they're they're talking trash. I gotta tell you, the Raptors, they love Tyrese Maxey. Saying Tyrese Maxey is incredible is not gonna upset any Raptors fans. Nor is it, you know, or if you talk about Nick Nurse's complaining. Hey, you you got fans over here. If you're talking like that, everybody loves Tyrese Maxey. He's one of the most like lovable players in the league. He's incredible. I talked to him for a bit after the game. Like he's great. So you're not gonna get any the trash talking. 
falling on deaf ears. People are just going to like hearing that. Um, as far as, um, as far as like Pascal's fit, there's a couple plays that I really liked. They were both of the lob plays that he threw to Precious Atua. We're looking at a play where the Raptors, they run a disguised drag, double drag for Pascal. He gets downhill. He and Precious don't quite connect on it, but it's a really good look, and it's a disguised double drag so that the 76ers can't go under and Siakam can get downhill and put his defender in lock and trail. They also ran a gut Chicago action, and that also led to a good like lob pass to Precious. They didn't connect on either of them. There has to be a little bit better touch on those passes from Pascal. But if you want to get Pascal downhill because they're getting guys like Gary downhill, they're getting guys like Dennis downhill, and in their careers, there's no indicator that Gary or Dennis will be elite shooters going downhill. I know people have an idea of what Dennis does when he gets downhill. I know they they think that Dennis, because he is so athletic, is like an elite finisher at the rim. That's not the case. He's going to finish like a good guard to compare his rim finishing to is like Fred Van Vliet, to be honest with you. Um, And a lot of times, like the frequency, Dennis is a guy who stops short for like those floaters or like off balance push shots and stuff like that. So the Raptors need to get OG downhill. They need to get Scotty downhill. They need to get Pascal downhill. And the offensive design has been a little bit lackluster so far. And Pascal, like shooting 40% from three, good. But they're putting him in a position where he's just getting less of the ball. They're putting him in a position where, you know, it's like he's being asked to do things that more specialized players should be asked to do. You're, you're asking a guy like Pascal to play a role that he played in like 2018. It's, it's not, it's not becoming of him. The team is going to suffer for it to some degree and they're not getting the most out of their, out of their offense. It takes time to figure this out and we'll see how that goes. But my goodness, it's rough early on. The, the offense is in a really tough place. But, you know, this is a franchise that has one of those. You can see the little that Toronto Raptors world champions. You can see they've accomplished something like this before. Pascal was part of it. If there's a player who's willing to take that on the chin and try and make it work for this year, I think Pascal falls under that. But as far as if we're talking about, like, how this team looks in the future... I think a lot of it is undecided, and that's not necessarily, you know, a terrible thing. The Raptors, they've been trying to find an identity and one that is consistent and works the last couple of years. They thought they had it after 2021-22. They very clearly did not. Nick Nurse was in the building. We all had questions for him, and he said, you know, I think it was as much me needing to go as it was the, the team needing me to go too. Like, it's mutual. It's both ways. It's, it's tough, you know? Uh, I think Pascal is a guy who, like, he competed like hell on defense. I thought that his point of attack defense was really impressive tonight. I thought that he brought it on that end for sure. Um, You just, the offense has to be able to put him in better positions to succeed. And on the other side of things, Pascal, if he wants to be like that all-NBA player again, if he wants to be eligible for a Supermax, if he wants to make a compelling case to be paid so much money, in the offseason, there's going to be some times where he has to not expect the offense, the new .5 offense, Darko system, to create a look for him where it's like, okay, I'm getting the ball downhill. It's like, you just got to be able to shake and bake sometimes. And Pascal, there was not that much shake and bake in this game. We've seen Pascal go against these 76ers, a very strong defensive team, 
like a better version of the 76ers, see a defense that is plugged in, packing the paint ahead of him. And we've seen him boogie to his way to like 24 points per game on efficient shooting over the course of a playoff series. He's a very good player. He could input himself a little bit more in these games. But also, the the team, they have to do better by him. That's, I think it's both things. They're not, they're not mutually exclusive. But I think that it's certainly not perfect right now. Their offense has been really bad. And despite shooting the hell out of the ball. Do you know how crazy it is that the Raptors shot 53% from downtown and still had like a well below average half-court offense? That's absurd. It's because they didn't finish anything inside the arc. And, and in this game, part of that is because, my goodness, too much Dennis, too much Gary. I've been talking about this since before the preseason. You know, like, this team is not doing a good job of creating and putting the ball in their wings' hands. We have a, a, a comment from Derek Baldhead White. I love that Derek shaved it off. Come home, brother. I know you love Achua, but the rim finishing is back to 2022 level. His processing is still very bad. I wrote about this. I'll see if I can go pull the numbers up. Obviously, a three-game sample doesn't determine... Um, it, it doesn't determine Precious Achua's new level of finishing or anything like that. But I wrote about him. I'll, I'll find the stats. But he's been a, like a well above average finisher for the past however like however many games, like a lot of games. I'm just pulling up the, the piece right now. So um, let's see. Yeah, sorry. Dead air. I wasn't thinking about this. Here we go. Okay. The finishing, which Achua has worked so hard to improve, is the cherry on top of his dynamic movement. Okay? In Achua's first 22 games as a Raptor, he shot 51% at the rim, 42 of 82. That was one of the worst marks of any big man in the whole league. From the new year of 2022, okay, to the end of that season, he shot 63% at the rim, 95 of 150. And last season, that improved even more, where he shot 72% and was 126 of 176. So the finishing has been a lot better from Precious, and I've been impressed with it. He's missed a couple things tonight, but I still think Precious, the finishing, is in a way better place. Um, the processing speed, Precious is missing some stuff. He tried to make that high-low read to Malachi, right? I'm sure most it was his turnover. Don't Malachi can cut. That's fine. If anyone's remotely close, don't give Malachi the ball down there. It's A, hard to make that pass because guys are going to stick their hands in. And B, Malachi, even if you get him the ball in the paint, it's going to be contested really quickly. And he's probably not going to get a shot up or make the shot, right? It has to be completely empty. We have to be talking about like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, split action, and Malachi is wide open in the paint or something like that. That's, um, that's kind of where we're at. Precious, I think he had a really strong game from a defensive point of view. I was really impressed with what he was able to bring. I know not everybody will agree with that, but, I mean, when you look at the end of the game, like Precious, he won his minutes offensively. The ball kept funneling into his hands. He was definitely less than stellar offensively. In fact, he just wasn't good offensively. He struggled. One of the possessions, obviously, was that spin into a fadeaway, was that possession where he went in against Embiid and tried to hit like a push shot over top of him. That's not going to cut it, not remotely. And But defensively, I thought Achua, as he has in the past, was a very, very good first check for, for Joel Embiid. He does a, he's way stronger than he looks. He's got quick feet. 
he can switch to reactions, and he's like really good at maintaining rotation. I thought that he did a great job in the, in that capacity of the game. You need his offense to be better, obviously, and if he was in this game like finishing better, it puts the Raptors in a better position, all that kind of stuff. But I guess we'll see what happens. I move away from this game pretty happy with Precious, though. Um, some of the stuff he didn't do so well in this game is stuff he has done well in the past, and I expect him to do well going forward. I think this game, a lot of it, the reason for the loss is that a lot of possessions funneled to Dennis and Gary. They didn't do a super good job with those possessions. And then defensively, I thought the Raptors did a pretty good job, but the shot making from the 76ers was on a level, like an unbelievable level. I think that's mostly the cause of the loss in this game. And and the Raptors, you know, you shoot 50, I'm going to say it again, you shoot 53% from three, you can't provide an even average offense. Like, the just for everybody who knows, the Raptors, their average half-court offense last year, 94.9 per 100 possessions, was one of the worst in the whole NBA. The Raptors, this game, registered their best of the season at 89. They have been just the worst. Their offense in the half-court, when things slow down, has struggled so badly. And some of that is the limitations of their wings, who aren't really great shooters. Fine. But also, the guards are seeing a ton of possessions in the half court, and the guards aren't good enough passers. The guards aren't creating enough advantages for others, and they're not shifting the defense enough, and they're still getting a lot of possessions. We'll see how this shakes out over time. The defense, still happy with the defense. I know this game, it wasn't a runaway. It wasn't as easy to look at it and say, holy smokes, you know, like this team, this Raptors team, they played like the best defense you've ever seen. You know, they gave up 122.6 per 100 possessions. They gave up a lot of points in this one. And in the half court, you know, Philly did a pretty good job. But that's because the game settled down and their fantastic players in Maxi and Embiid hit the jumpers. Still pretty happy. Yeah, you know, we have a comment from Andrew Eden. He says, Maxi got to be top three fastest in the league. Absolutely won. Secondly, I know people were probably expecting Dennis Schroeder to be like the great salve to defend Maxi the way that obviously Fred couldn't last year. Schroeder is also like top six fastest in the league. I'm certain of it, but he's not as fast as Maxi. And Maxi pulling from three in the way that he did, I like Dennis's defense tonight. As crazy as that might sound, I thought Dennis was super competitive at the point of attack. I thought he fought like hell through screens, and I thought he was pretty sticky on Maxi. But if Maxi got a shred of space, boom, the shot's going up. And it didn't have to be, like, easy, hard, whatever type of look he's getting, cashing it. That's the question I asked about Nick Nurse before the game, or to Nick Nurse before the game, is like, my God. You know, Maxi has come in and destroyed this game, this team, when you've been coaching it. Are you looking forward to maybe being able to coach Maxi through a great performance like that? Well, boy, howdy, did he ever, right? I just, the Raptors, I think they stuck to the game plan well on defense. There are a couple miscommunications, like the one where, uh, I can't remember who got the, the duck in. It might have been Kelly Oubre Jr. I, I can't remember exactly who it was, but Pascal was shading to the double on Embiid. He didn't tell Grady that they were switching, but he was playing like they did. And then Grady got back cut from the man in the corner. But the man in the corner was Siakam's guy. The man above the break was Grady's guy. But Siakam played so much over on Embiid that it would make you think like, 
this was this was Grady's check now. He's supposed to be putting up a weak side zone because Siakam is shading so hard. But those are the things, unless you go and ask them specifically, you're like, man, is, is this how this is supposed to work? Are we who whose fault is it? It doesn't matter that much. But as far as like it doesn't matter whose fault it was. The the 76ers got a point out of it. They um they obviously you got that duck in. These are these are tough possessions. These are things you gotta iron out. But obviously, I'm still pretty happy with their defense. As crazy as that might sound, I think they did a lot of things good defensively. We have a question from Phoenix Play Z. Are we sure Pascal Siakam is great at basketball? Yes, man. The, do you, this is a very tough team to fit in with. That's like Pascal's played great defense to start the year, right? So that's half the game. Great defense. Offense on the other side. Who is ex- like who is excelling besides Scotty? And Scotty, that means like whew, he's everything you want him to be. That's fantastic. He's taking all those possessions in transition as well. That's wonderful. But you look at the positions that Pascal is getting the ball in, the defenses he's facing. He's just being asked to do things that like are very difficult to do. That's go space the floor. He's one of the best driving wings slash bigs in the whole NBA. There's mountains of data that confirms this. Um, how, how do you want him to beat pack line defense? He's being told to just like shoot and spot up around guys. And then he goes in and he has a mismatch. And guess what happens? He, he gets doubled. He makes the read. Okay. So the ball's not in his hands anymore. He's just being, being put in tough positions. Um, you follow up, but that's what I'm saying. He's good, but he's great. I'm not saying he isn't a positive player. Even saying like positive players, way undercutting it. Like you don't you don't call an all NBA, all all star level player a positive player. Like Precious Achua in his second season in the league was like a positive player because of his defense. They won a lot of minutes. Um, we don't have a LeBron type of great player. That's that's correct. Certainly they don't have a LeBron, but um, it's probably a little bit too harsh to remove Pascal from great to just good just because of what's happening here. I think Pascal has a history of being a great player. If you, a lot of people will consider him like people would argue as high as like top 15. Most people wouldn't put him outside the top 25. That's great in the NBA. There's a lot of good players, but if you can get into like the top 30, I think you're a great player. Um, Maybe we're getting a little bit um, off the point, but um, Phoenix, I understand what you're trying to say. We just disagree probably on the semantics. I, I get I get your point. The Raptors do need a big-time advantage creator. That's not Pascal. Even in past years, Pascal's types of advantage creation was through bullies and mismatches, which is a slower type of advantage creation. It's something that happens that the uh, the defense gets to load up and they have you know faster rotations. Um, yeah, from C4C, great players adapt and fast. He hasn't. You also said he's quitting on us. I've seen what you've been saying in the comments. I'm not sure you're coming at this from a a purely clinical point of view. I think there's a bit of emotion here, if I had to guess. Um, It's been three games. He's being asked to do something that isn't friendly to his skill set whatsoever. Players have to be able to play to their strengths. That's why I asked Darko before this game if there was maybe going to be a big opportunity for Grady Dick because the 76ers will struggle to hunt him offensively. And guess what? They struggled at it, and good Lord, he still finished with five fouls. Like, this is a guy who they still found on the floor. You have to be put in positions to succeed. 
no matter the player. Um, Pascal is being put in really tough positions right now. Um, you're, you're, you're trolling, man. You think he's quit. Game three. My goodness. He's been in Toronto for like however long. I, I shouldn't be reading this. That's 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 what I, I need to learn, obviously. Because um, I know this is my first time live streaming, obviously, this season. There's obviously a lot of trolling that goes on. I have to do my best not to get sucked into all of this. But, yeah, the Raptors, I think they played. They got into a strong position initially, playing really great defense. And, my goodness, the 76ers shot the ball over top of the defense. There were some breakdowns later in the game. But the Raptors, um, sometimes you can't just – you just can't defend those shots. But, yeah. Am I willing to pay Pascal $50 million a year? Uh, The Raptors aren't, so that's obviously fine. Uh, there's quite a few guys who are going to end up getting paid $50 million a year. I don't know, in like two years, I'm sure there'll be probably like, I don't know, 17 or 18 players in the NBA with an average annual value on their salary of $50 million or over. Um, a guy like Carlton Towns is going to be making 56 soon, I believe. It'll be up to the Raptors and other teams around the league if he gets a max in the offseason, whatever happens. I guess we'll guess we'll see what's, what's going on. Um, yeah, I... I see you guys talking about body language and all that kind of stuff. I talk to these players, man, body language experts, whether it's politics, whether it's basketball, whether it's whatever, the accuracy rate is shamelessly low. I know people like to do that. I know like body language and dissecting is, is fun to do, but it's, it's not really, it's not very accurate usually. Um, but I, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, obviously. And I see you guys in here after every game. I, like, I really do appreciate what you bring to the conversation. We disagree on that point, though, obviously. Um, the Raptors and Pascal, currently in a difficult position. Work needs to be done for them to find a harmonious solve for what they're kind of trying to do. Here's a question. What do I think will happen with Harden? God, I don't know. I have no idea. I think he gets, uh... <laughs> I think he gets traded at some point. But obviously the 76ers are perfectly happy to just sit on their hands and say like, hey, you're not coming on the, the team plane, all this kind of stuff. So they're in a tough position. Um, what do I think is the answer with Dennis and Gary Trent Jr. eating up possessions? This is a really, really good question. And one, I don't think I have a super satisfying answer to because the Raptors, <laughs> Pascal just acts different around when he's around media. Whatever. Hey, you guys, you can think he quit. You can think it's over three games in. You can think whatever, but um, that's that's totally fine. As far as fixing the hierarchy of the half-court offense, it's tough because the Raptors have to put the ball in the hands of good ball handlers. They have to put it in the hands of good shooters so that they can move the defense. And, you know, they have to put it in the hands of guys who will get players to step over screens and will change how the other team defends them at the level of the screen so they can create these defensive responses. This is what they're trying to do. You you create much less of a defensive response when it's Pascal, when it's Scotty, and the Raptors are trying to figure out how do we get these guys involved without just strictly mismatch hunting. And what they've done so far is they've put the ball in the hands of Gary and Dennis a lot because they want to move through the offense with pace. These guys are really quick to realize when a dribble handoff is coming and to go get the ball. These are all super fast things. But as far as what the team is trying to do and what they want to be doing as far as like half-court offense, it's tough, man. It's tough. Um, But as far as anything else, I think that's just like 
a difficulty that the Raptors have had trying to decide, you know, guards getting the ball, wings getting the ball, all that kind of stuff. It's a difficulty, obviously, but I feel like that's as good a place to leave the podcast as any. Thanks, everybody, for joining in. Um, It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I guess whether you got into this in the morning or at night on your walk, whatever you're doing, have a blessed day and goodbye.